Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720. Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois. Glory to Jesus Christ. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer here on Light of the East. We're joined once again by Katie Goulis. Hopefully your period of the Phillips Fast is going well. In the Western Church, they call it the season of Advent, which even the West has a penitential tone to it as well, although there is a strong emphasis on a kind of a joyful repentance in the West. Nonetheless, the original form, the original tone and theme of even Advent in the West is penitential. And it certainly is that in the Eastern churches, we call this the Philip's fast, meaning a fast that begins, it happens to just begin after the Feast of St. Philip, which is 40 days before Christmas. And what we do traditionally in the Eastern churches, and hopefully you've been doing it all along up till now, we got just a few more days. We abstain from meat and dairy products on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays during the week. And also, we take on other good things. As we pull back from some things, we take on replace them with better things, such as the reading of the Scripture, more prayer, more quiet time, more acts of charity, more attending church. Notice I didn't say shopping malls. I said church, or quiet time, or the Bible, or prayer. Yeah, that's what we do. That's how we prepare. See, this is not a season to be jolly. This is not a season to celebrate. Not yet. Yes, it is a certain joyful season of repentance, but at the same time, the joy, the parting, as it were, you know, the celebrating, the real celebrating, begins on December 25th, or on that eve of December 25th, and goes especially for the next 12 days. But leading up to that, if you really want to do it the real way, both in the East and Western lungs of the church, if you really want to do it the traditional real way, what you'll do is you approach this time as a time of pulling back of getting rid of, of divesting yourself of a lot of stuff you don't need, including sin. And above all, it's a time to go to confession. Best preparation of all spiritually for the coming of the Lord. The Lord is coming into us again, into our very soul, our being. So the best thing to do is to clean our spiritual home for him, which of course is our our soul. So go to confession. You'll feel a lot better if you do. There's an old saying, Those who confess best far surpass the rest. Now, what also happens during this time of year is we have lots of get-togethers. It's a time of getting together, especially on this season, the Holy Days itself, and the the great times of Christmas or this past Thanksgiving and so on. 
And when we get together with family, oftentimes there's, well, there's good times, of course, and oftentimes there may be some issues when families get together. And oftentimes I've even asked Pastor Lay, well, what do we do, Father? We're anticipating, uh, you know, I've got this uh, brother of mine or sister who's not living according to the church. Uh, they've been married a couple times. They're living with someone. They're coming to dinner for Christmas, and I'm going to be there. My family practices our faith. What do we do? It's going to get kind of tense. What do we do? Do we show up? Do we go? What do we say? What do we don't say? It's a big question for a lot of families today. Well, Jesus Christ had a family as well. And in the Eastern Church on this time of year, during the first and second Sundays before Christmas, leading up to Christmas in the Eastern Church, we celebrate the patrimony of Christ. First of all, the Sunday of the Holy Patriarchs, or the forefathers of Christ. That's the second Sunday before Christmas. What we do is we celebrate people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We kind of go into the history of Christ, into the prophets and the people that were his symbols or his foreshadowing, you know, these typal figures of which Christ is the archetype. As I mentioned, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, also Daniel and Isaiah, uh, Jonah, all kinds of figures from the Old Testament. We sort of read back into that and we see, ah, well, this is, this is how the plan of salvation was unfolding and being heralded through these people. They were like archetypes of Christ. They were his ancestors. They were his foreshadowings. Then on the following Sunday, this is the Sunday before Christmas, the one that comes right before Christmas, we celebrate then Christ's entire lineage, his genealogy. And like many families today, Christ had some, some dysfunction in his lineage. And yet, he turned out okay, right, Katie? That's right, Father Tom. <laughs> but it is interesting what we discover not only in the life of Christ's lineage, but also in our own families when we get together. That's a really good point, Father Tom. My mom and I go out to dinner or to lunch, you know, frequently together, just me and her if we're the only ones home. And the other day we were a lot at of, a restaurant. A lot of people are out at this point. Yeah, time exactly. Lots of malls, different people. Mm -hmm. buzzing about, yes. All walks of life are out during this time of year. So my mom and I were at this restaurant and... We started to overhear a conversation that was going on between a mom and dad and a daughter who was maybe in her mid to late 20s. And at first I thought they were kind of joking, but then the more and more they talked about it, the more and more I realized that they probably weren't joking. And the daughter started off by saying, you know, vegetarians can't go to communion. <laughs> and they weren't joking. And they weren't joking. And the parents are like, oh, really? They're like, well, yeah, because it's the body and blood of Christ. And my mom just like looked at me. She's like, is that true? And I said, <laughs> I hope not, because I have three really good friends who are vegetarians who are also really devout Catholics. <laughs> but Father Tom, it gets better. <clears throat> she goes on to say, you know, I just don't understand why the Vatican is against surrogate pregnancy is because, well, the Virgin Mary was just a surrogate for Jesus. That sound you hear is me hitting the floor. I'm trying to get back up here, so give me a second here. <laughs> wow. And, and, <laughs> but, and I think she was totally serious, yeah. Yes, and these are the kinds of things that oftentimes come up in family discussions, when families get yep. together this time of year. Families that have characters in them, just as Christ's family did to his lineage did. Of course, Christ came from a holy family, but if you trace back his lineage, there are all kinds of people. There are prostitutes and there are other things that happen that weren't so nice, but it showed how God worked through everything, even people who were a little sinful, dysfunctional at times. But most of his lineage, of course, were very righteous people. But nonetheless, people come together, families come together. What do we do? What, how do we answer these questions? In fact, the one that, the, that you overheard here is actually a very common misunderstanding, and that is of the Eucharist. How do we 
look at the Eucharist. Are we cannibals? If we say this is really the body and blood of Christ, then what are we doing? We're eating flesh? We're eating meat? Well, gosh, if we're vegetarians, we can't do that. Or it just seems like, you know, wrong to be cannibals. There's a lot of people actually think this. Well, once again, we're going to get some help from some of the fathers of the Eastern Church. I'm going to read something I came across recently in a great little book. It's called Wedding Feast of the Lamb, Eucharistic Theology from a Historical, Biblical, and Systematic Perspective by Father Karesti. Nice, good Hungarian name. That's part of my heritage, Hungarian. Father Karesti. And it's put out by Hillenbrand Books. Hillenbrand Books. So again, the title is Wedding Feast of the Lamb, Eucharistic Theology from a Historical, Biblical, and Systematic Perspective. And he's referring to this question about how we speak of actually receiving the body and blood of Christ. And he's using some quotes from John St. John Chrysostom, the great Eastern father of the church. And this is what he says. He says that much more is available for us in these awesome mysteries than for those who saw Christ in his earthly life. You see not simply this body as they did, but you know also its power in the whole plan of salvation. Now, Christism describes our contact with Christ in his bodily reality in the Eucharist with an apparently exaggerated realism by using language of sense perception. Yet, in the same context, he enunciates the sacramental principle. Christ has not given us anything sensible. In other words, we can see, feel. But in sensible things, all that needs to be perceived by the mind. He did so because we are not incorporeal creatures, but closed up in a body. Thus, we should participate in the mysteries not just looking at what is set before us, but keeping in mind his words. This is my body. Let us then be persuaded and believe and look at it with the eyes of the believing mind. Father Karesti goes on, he says this, In this context, then, Christism Eucharistic language of sense experience discloses its true meaning. It must be understood spiritually, just as the words of Jesus Christ are spirit and life. Chrysostom speaks the language of spiritual, in a broad sense, mystical experience. He shows that the sacramental signs communicate to the believer a communion with Christ, a communion so direct and overwhelming that it must be expressed in the language of sense experience. The apparently cannibalistic imagery of eating the body of Christ and even putting our teeth into his flesh then should be interpreted in a mystical sense. See, that's the key, Katie, in a mystical sense, not in a, in a physical, concrete sense as we think in day-to-day life, but in a mystical. Now, mystical means the most real. Okay, Father Codestus goes on. The mystical sense as the expression of unspeakable, passionate love on the part of Christ that aims at the closest possible union and calls for a similar passionate love on our part. Thus did, thus Christ did the same, providing for us his flesh, leading us to a greater friendship and showing forth the passionate love that he has for us. He gave those who desire him not only to see him, but to touch, to eat, to put one's teeth into his flesh, to be joined together and to fulfill all desire. Besides the image of the mother who nourishes her baby with her own milk, Chrysostom is not ashamed to use the image of sexual love. Quote, those whom we kiss vehemently, we often even bite with our teeth. Unquote. Now, how would a celibate bishop know about that? <laughs> because he knows about God. He knows about being human. And once again, we draw from the Eastern Fathers of Church to help in discussions that we might have around the family table during Christmas time when people wonder, how can we really believe that the bread and wine is truly the body and blood of Christ? And how can we actually eat somebody's body and blood, especially if we're vegetarian? We'll talk more about this when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I am Father Thomas Loya. You are listening to the cries and lamentations of the Holy Father's spiritual children of the Eastern Catholic Churches in Iraq. These modern-day martyrs are experiencing a genocide at the hands of people who are seeking to purge the entire Middle Eastern world of Christianity, while the rest of the world takes little notice. Within the recent years, thousands of Eastern Catholics in Iraq have become martyrs for Christ. The rest have become refugees. Help the vulnerable children of Christ in Iraq. Now, by donating at iraqichristianrelief.org. iraqichristianrelief.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church has something special for your holiday table this Christmas season. Now imagine an incredibly delicious nut roll or poppy seed roll from the kitchens of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. These ample and substantial old world treats are over a foot long, made with loving care from old world recipes. Just $15 each. To order your nut roll or poppy seed roll, call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Pick up at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road in Homer Glen, Illinois. Can't get to the church? We'll put it in the mail. Just add $5. Call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church nut and poppy seed rolls. For pickup directions, go to ByzantineCatholic.com. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm here with Katie Gullis, and I, of course, am Father Thomas Loya. And we're talking about how to answer questions or discuss things that might come up around the dinner table during the holy days, during the feast days when people get together. And Katie just was recounting an experience she had, <laughs> rather a funny one, but one that is actually very common about people's understanding or misunderstanding of a lot of aspects of their faith. The one dealt with the reception of the Eucharist. What are we really receiving? Is it actually physical flesh that we're eating? Well, even though John Chrysostom uses that kind of language, he means, and this is the important point, this is the answer to that question, and one that could be used if it comes up around the dinner table, that we're talking about the mystical understanding. Yes, it is truly the body and blood of Christ, but in a mystical way. Mystical means what is most real, what is ultimate. In other words, how it will be in heaven, the eschatological. So we're not chewing on flesh in the absolute total physical way and an earthly way. We are definitely eating. In fact, in the original Greek word, for in the, in the scripture where it talks about where Jesus says, take, eat, this is my body. The Greek word for eat actually means something like to gnaw, you know, like to really chew. In other words, John's gospel was being very, very realistic, very specific, yet at the same time mystical. No, we're not chewing it like a cannibal or we're eating meat if you're a vegetarian and you're afraid of that. But we are in fact truly feeding upon because that's how we unite ourselves totally, our body and soul together with Christ, with someone we love. Like Christism says, you know, when people 
want to express love for each other, they have a great passionate love for each other, what do they do? They come together with their bodies and they use their lips a lot, you know, to kiss and to express deep, passionate love. Well, it's the same thing with the body of Christ, only you have to think of it in a mystical way. In other words, the eros or the erotic takes on a mystical, holy meaning. It is perfected in agape, which means that perfect union between Christ and us, which will reach its total perfection in the next life. So one way to answer this question, if it comes up in discussion, is to simply invite people to understand that what the church says and what Christ meant when it comes to things like the Eucharist has to be understood in the mystical. That's the, that's the key word. In other words, what the thing actually means. I'll give you an example that might help them. How about the American flag? You know, it's a crime to desecrate the American flag in public, and it's considered to be a real no-no in our society, no matter who you are, the atheist or a believer, whoever you are, it's just it's something that just isn't right. We just do not accept in our culture to desecrate the American flag. Well, is it just a piece of cloth? I mean, what's the big deal? It's just a piece of cloth. You could sew another one, right? Just cloth. What's the big deal? Why throw somebody in jail for it? Why bring so much shame upon them when they want to burn American flag? Because that flag, we all know to us, that flag is not just a piece of cloth. Yes, it is partly that, but it is more so, even more so than the cloth. It has a mystical meaning to us. It represents a couple hundred years of incredible history of our country, our fatherland, and people who paid a credible price for it, who shed blood for it. It means a whole world of things that are really sacred to us, and it's all in that cloth. And that cloth finds its true meaning in this mystical appreciation of it, not just in the physical quality of the cloth itself. So apply that then to things in the church, such as the Eucharist. Now, there was another question too, Katie, that you overheard. It was about the Virgin Mary being a surrogate mother. (laughs) Well, okay, what's wrong with that? Well, first of all, a surrogate mother is one where a woman is carrying in her womb a child which is not her own, which was not even conceived in her womb. The Virgin Mary is carrying the child in her womb, the child Jesus, who came only through her womb, which was preserved from sin and made to be, as we say in the church, a holy tabernacle, you know, like the Ark of the Covenant. We have all kinds of beautiful imagery for her womb. She carries Christ in her womb alone, and Christ comes about, you know, he's conceived in her womb by the Father in heaven through the Holy Spirit. So Christ does have an actual father, but in the Spirit, and a mother with that one same body, one same womb. So the Virgin Mary is not a surrogate mother. She is carrying, that is her child, that was conceived in her, her womb, And she is, we say, the spouseless spouse, another mystery. But that conception happened by God the Father through the Holy Spirit. So she was in every way a mother, but in the most, most mystical sense. A lot of people ask me too, well, how do we handle any of these kinds of questions? You know, people don't like to argue, like to fight. Of course not during the holidays. Inevitably, sometimes this happens. And also there's awkward situations. If you're a family person or a couple who's believers, you come to dinner and some of your siblings may not be believers. They may have gone out of the church and may be doing things that you find scandalous, maybe scandalous to your children. And it's very, very awkward. What do we do? Well, here is my suggestion. My suggestion is not necessarily to avoid things, or you have to be kind of be prudent about it. My suggestion is rather to take the opportunity to see if you can witness, as it were, first of all, by your own example, but also by approaching the individual in conversation with something like this, something very simple or basic. 
you say something like, do you ever, um, do you ever talk to Jesus or do you ever talk to God or, or do you does he ever talk back to you? Do you have like a, a relationship with Christ? Uh, what is it like? I could t- let me tell you about mine and what it does for me. You don't even have to get into teachings of the church that are oftentimes part of the controversy. You can just get into their their actual experience as people and kind of nose around a little bit to see if they actually have an experience of God and what might that experience be like. And let them tell you about it. And, and don't judge them. Just let them tell you about it. And then maybe share your experience as well. Those you can say things like, well, this is what it's like for me. This is what it does for me. Or this is what I discover or I've experienced. And, you know, others have said the same thing too. And then kind of take it from there. Take it one step at a time. If you can get to the issues, that's fine. Now, if you do get to the issues, this is what I, what I would recommend. Once again, reach into the bag of tricks of the Eastern churches and say something like this. Say, you know, the church is really not about, you know, a bunch of rules and a bunch of, about a bunch of teachings. It's actually about something very, very basic. Picture God being invisible, being around way before us, before all time. And most people would agree to that. You know, if they're an atheist, they'll figure, well, that's a concept of God that they, they understand, basically. Okay, take that invisible God and just picture that he brings into existence things that are now visible. And then he shows himself through those things. He makes himself real. You know how when you look up at the stars and you wonder, my goodness, how, look at all those stars. They're all in their right place. They all spin. They all act on their own without us having to do anything with it. We don't control them. We just observe them. And we have the telescope up that a Hubble scope out in space. It just keeps discovering more and more things, new galaxies and, and, and new solar systems. It's incredible. It just boggles the mind. It really points to a God who I just can't help but seeing God there. It's like there's some kind of intelligent order behind this. It's beautiful. It makes me wonder. It makes me just go, wow. It makes me love life more. That's that's what church is. That's really what God is. It's not really about religion in the strict sense or rules and teachings. It is that to an extent, but it's more than that. It's greater than that. It's about mystery. It's about looking at life as it really is and seeing how it all points to a very mysterious and loving God. So think of it this way. Approach them on the, on the level of this incredible invisible God that is, inspires so much wonderment and how that God has made himself visible through what he created, which means we can appreciate all kinds of creation. Then you get in discussions about the environment. Guess what? You now have a meeting point between people who don't even believe in God, agnostics and atheists, but who value the environment. Now you've got a meeting point. You say, oh, yeah. I love the environment too. The environment is like sacred. It's holy. It's, it's got to be treated right. We can't pollute things. You know, we have to go green, but in the right way. We're part of the environment too. So we don't apologize for being here. At the same time, we don't abuse it. There's a kind of a harmony that we want to achieve. And you can get into discussions like that before you get into any kind of real controversial issues, as it were. Kind of present to people in, at the table or in discussion individually a more mystical. Again, I'm giving you the some of the tricks from the Eastern churches, a more mystical approach to life. And I think that's what a lot of people really are looking for. That's what helps them to understand then the rest of the teachings that they might have a lot of trouble with, a lot of things that are controversial today, the hot button topics of the church's teaching. If they understand really where it all comes from, what the basic foundation is, and that is, and it's exactly what we celebrate during this time of year, we're celebrating the incarnation the fact that this invisible, this once invisible transcendent God 
becomes visible through the very things he created. And that's why in the Eastern churches, many Eastern churches during this time of year, we say, and say to the top of our lungs, we say, God is with us. That's our big greeting. God is with us. Christ is born. God is with us. That's the great miracle. He is with us. How do we know? We see it in everything. We experience it in everything. And from that experience, everything else will start to make sense. Those are some of my tips. I think they might be helpful, Katie, don't you think? I don't know if you have any relatives that could be tough customers or not, but most families do. But this might be a way of approaching that some of those people around that dinner table on during Christmas Day or any of the holidays. Remember, it's about the invisible made visible. Show them the mystical. That's what this time of year is all about. I want to thank you for listening and hope you're going to have a very mystical and blessed and fruitful Phillips Fast as we approach then the great feast of the Incarnation. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, Catholic Radio International.com.